Hello and welcome to the very latest Forever Blue podcast, the first one that's about the games because the games have now returned. Uh, I'm Ian Cheeseman and I have three guests as ever with me today. Um, this is, of course, going to be a weekly podcast again. Uh, thanks to all those who subscribe. If you haven't, then if you subscribe, you'll get notified each and every week. And we're planning to do the next podcast next Friday because City played this coming week on Monday and Thursday with the FA Cup tie on the Sunday at Newcastle. So if you follow all that, the next podcast will be on Friday evening, probably 10, 11, something like that. It'll go live. And of course, you can listen to our reaction to the two games this week, Burnley at home and Chelsea away. And I'll look ahead to the Newcastle game. But for this one, it's the return to action against Arsenal. Uh, as always, I thank uh, charleslouis.co.uk, who are chartered mortgage advisors, uh, for their support of the podcast, which I really appreciate. And of course, not only to you for listening, but the contributors who are part of our debate tonight. Now, those contributors are, I'll start with ladies first, uh, and I'll introduce uh, Louisa, who is uh, a regular to the Forever Blue podcast. Hi, Louisa. Hi, Ian. How are you? Not bad at all. We've got uh, Nathan. So, Nathan, what have you got to say for yourself? Um, yeah, yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me back. It's uh, nice to always come on. Another regular, we can say. And uh, the man who is uh, probably best known than anybody in our little group. Uh, feels like he's better known than me these days. It's Harlan. Harlan, how are you? Hi, everyone. You might not recognise me if you're watching this because I've got a... Well, it's on its way back now, so... Um, I primarily shaved it so I didn't get the Neville jibes, but uh, it's going to grow back soon, so I'll, uh, I'll be getting them back soon, I think, as well. OK, well, we've got a lot of things to talk about, not least the return to football. Um, obviously, I, I did a vlog this week, as I usually do on match day vlogs. Uh, I went down to the stadium a little earlier because I didn't want to be accused of going down at the time when the game was on, um, being inappropriate or anything like that. So I went down at lunchtime, actually met a City fan who uh, who had an opinion to say. We stayed two metres apart, of course, and I asked him what he thought. He was a regular, he was a fan who goes at home and away. He gave me his views, and then via this type of recording from uh, long distance, I got lots of fans' views, actually from all around the world uh, afterwards. And just like everybody else, I watched the game on TV, which was a brand new experience for me. Um, I've never actually, until Wednesday, watched a City game live on TV um, because I've always been at the game, so that was brand new for me. And I have to say that even if it had been under normal circumstances with a crowd in the stadium, it would have felt a very strange experience for me because, uh, honestly, uh, I know you'll find it hard to believe, but I really have never watched a full 90-minute City competitive game on television. Uh, back in the 70s, I started going home and away, and that's how I've basically consumed my football ever since. Um, and, and I always prefer being at games, but for the understandable reasons, um, I wasn't there. Uh, now, I know Nathan and Harlan are both regular city goers. In fact, Nathan, I've seen you travelling all over Europe. Um, Louisa doesn't go to as many games, but goes to a lot of games. So just tell us what your verdict was, your view. What, was the, what did you expect and how did it pan out? Um, let's start with you, Louisa. What, what was your experience like? Um, well, initially I'd caught um, a fair amount of the Villa match and um, I, I kind of felt it was 
really flat and uh, as expected as we thought it probably would be and it would come across on TV um, but then the City match started and um, I just felt I know it's my team and I know I'll be passionate for my team but I honestly felt uh, there was a massive difference in in that viewing I don't know what what the difference was um there just was and I think probably because the game picked up after the first 30 minutes as well um and I think they were playing either more crowd noise or crowd noise I can't remember if they did that for Villa um but so sitting kind of watching it I guess in in a smaller area like this I thought oh well I can hear crowd noise and they play in oh it's all right but then obviously every now and again you catch a glimpse of the stadium there's nobody there you know you can see people moving around reporters whatever um and then those weird zoom um meeting kind of screens at each side with fans sitting there <laughs> watching um which was very surreal um and then sort of the crowd noise got a bit annoying as well for me uh, i could just sort of hear blue moon every now and again and i don't think they really had any other songs or chants going it was just this general crowd noise uh so it was definitely different it was very very strange um and i, I don't know i just i just felt like it, i think it felt like it was the best that can be done out of the situation and probably out of every match that's been shown this way with behind closed doors it was probably the best match that's been on tv to date so i think we did quite well now, I watched the game with the sound effects on and it was only afterwards that I realised that, because I did try and press the red button to see if I could turn the crowd noise off, uh, but apparently there was another channel, another version of it on Sky that you could listen to it without the, the noise. Nathan, did you, which, which did you choose? Yeah, so I didn't, I didn't realise either, but I, I started watching it on the uh, no crowd noise um, uh, like stream, you could say. Uh, and it was the one, just the one channel below. And uh, I said to my dad, where, where are these, where are these uh, crowd noises that are supposed to be on? And he went, oh, it's for the channel. So we swapped over. Uh, I, just, I couldn't stand it. It was so, it was so, it was just so, you could tell why they're doing it, but so blatantly fake that it, it distracted from the, from the pitch. I was almost like laughing at the, the stream, to be honest. It was really good. Like, yeah. I'm watching it with my wife and my son and they both, well, obviously, as I say, we didn't know there was another version of it. First of all, we were actually, believe it or not, thinking, is this noise being piped in the stadium? Is this, is, are, the, are the players hearing? We didn't know that at the time. But then when I said, I wonder if this is not in the stadium, I wonder if how you listen to it without. And they both said, no, we don't want to listen to it like that. We don't, don't want it like that. And I said, but that's how it really is. I want to hear what it really sounds like. You chose to go back to that, did you? Yeah, I quite, I quite just enjoyed listening to the, you know, the players' reactions to certain things as well. I thought it was quite, it's like a different, different view you get. You hear non-league stuff, but you never hear it at that kind of level of football. So I thought that was quite fresh. Um, but yeah, going back to the piped in noise, what annoyed me was it's, it's taken from FIFA, I think, isn't it? So it's, it's, um, it's the same, it's the same uh, sounds that you hear when you're playing the game. And they just pressed it when there was when there was like a reaction or something. So it was always delayed, and it kind of came like a bit of a running, running joke. So I, I had to sack it off. There were a couple of times when there was a shot at goal. Uh, I think when Raheem Sterling had a chance quite early on, and the thing that struck me straight away was that as the ball went over the the roof of the net, 
if you'd have been in the stadium, the crowd would have reacted, obviously, um, positively, negatively, excited, however it was. But the crowd just stayed the same tone. And that slightly unsettled me. How, how did you find it all then, uh, uh, Harlan? Let's get your view. Yeah, it was, um, it was different, Ian. Like, you know, we, it, there's nothing like being at the match. I actually went back over some of the old um, pods and vlogs last night, believe it or not, on YouTube. And I just stumbled upon the Southampton one that he did with that with that guy in the um, in the wheelchair last year, where everybody was was taken back by that guy with cerebral palsy, and he said, you know, he said to him, "What are you struggling with?" And he said, uh, yeah, "Being a City fan, Ian." And then he said, "No, a cerebral palsy, really, but being a City fan more than that." And then he said, "You asked him, you know, why why'd you come then in, in in the rain?" And he said, "Because there's nothing like coming to the match live. There's there's nothing like being a match going fan." And, and he's hit the nail on the head, really, because there is nothing like being in that ground. And I think if that first game was an away game, say against Arsenal at the Emirates, I think it would have been a lot easier for a lot of the fans that were more disgruntled to accept the fact that we wouldn't have been there anyway unless you go to all the away games. But the fact that you could see the blue seats and you knew it was our ground was probably a bit more upsetting than anything, knowing that when the game had finished, I said to Jess, well, we'd be getting on the train now and we'd be probably drenched and we'd be talking about what happened in the game and stuff. And you just kind of almost get up from watching the match and then wash the pots or do something else. And there's not that kind of travel home where you dissect the match and stuff. So it was it was one of them nights, but I, I kind of got past the fact that we weren't there after about 20 minutes. Once we got a grip on the game, I started to really enjoy the football from our perspective um, and kind of almost let the facts go for, a, for, 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 a, for the rest of the game that we weren't there. And kind of had to override that and just kind of get on with watching the football, really. And then it wasn't until the end of the game that it hit me again that now I'm not going to be travelling home. And it kind of it kind of stung me a bit again. But I kind of just had no other option, really, than to get over it, to, to kind of enjoy the game. Because I felt that if I didn't get over it, I wouldn't have been able to enjoy the match at all. One of the most difficult things I find, uh, and I don't mind admitting this, in the uh, post-match analysis is to weigh up whether that game would have been exactly the same, i.e. quality-wise, tempo-wise, intensity, whether there would have been more bookings. or I mean, I know there was a sending off of, of David Luiz, but whether the game itself was affected by the lack of crowd. Um, what do you think, Nathan? Uh, or, or, well, let's start with Harlan. What do you think, Harlan? But yeah, well, we, 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 you asked us a question last year, Ian, about whether, whether fans have an impact on football. And I, and I definitely think they do. You know, go back to the Vinnie Company goal against Leicester last season. Uh, not last, well, last season, yeah. Um, we definitely had an impact that night. The anxiety levels in the ground. Um, you could feel the pressure. I'm sure Vinnie could. It resonates to players. And even, even lower league players, that, that I know, you know, you said when you've got a fan base there, does it help you? Does it push you on if you're losing in a game or you're drawing and you need a goal? And it definitely does. And like you say, it can impact decisions. Um, that go back to the, the other game, the, the game before us at Villa Park. You know, had the crowd have reacted to that Hawkeye error, would it have been? Would they, would, would they have been more inclined to have, have given the goal, or would that have pushed the referee into making, um, a, you know, a, cut, a cutthroat decision um, because the crowd would have been calling for it or whatnot? And you know, other fouls that maybe referees are letting go in these games now that wouldn't ordinarily be let go if fans were disgruntled by it and you could hear that resonate from the stands. So I definitely think we have an effect. Um, and You've listed just, all the alternative ways it could be. So, so are you saying by listing all those that you thought it was different or, or, or were City just in the normal passing the ball around, controlling the game, 
um, and Arsenal were just shocking because they didn't have a shot at goal, let's face it. So it, yeah, could, that think, have, could that have happened anyway? Yeah, it, well, because we were that good and I actually really thought we were, we were pretty superb. I thought some of the players that have been scrutinised over the last couple of months were fantastic. Mendy being one, um, absolutely unbelievable. And, um, you know, it, it seemed like he didn't need a crowd. So it seemed like when Mendy has a crowd, he performs worse than if he doesn't have a crowd. So um, for some players, it, it, may be, it may be worked and they were just managing to gather the thoughts a bit more and um, like they would in training. But um, I definitely think, yeah, that, you know, it, it does affect the games and it will affect the games for certain players. I think it's a player-dependent thing, that, Ian. And um, I do think the Arsenal players were affected by not having any fans in there because the predominant um, singing on the commentary was City stuff because you were at home. And I don't know whether if that was... Well, they wouldn't have heard that. They wouldn't have heard that, would they? <laughs> no, but this is what I mean. If Had that have been in the crowd, um, it, they wouldn't have had as much as we had. And I think Arsenal struggled a bit more because you need your crowd behind you when you go down a goal or two. And I think that if they had have had fans, I think Louisa touched on it the other night, um, it would have pushed them on, I think. And, and the game might have ended up differently. But I don't think they'd have won the game. I think we were that good and that, that quality that we'd have definitely won the game. But whether it had been 3-0, that's a different story. Nathan? Yeah, it's, I echo the same, really. It's, um, what I have noticed is in like the Bundesliga um, games that I've watched previously, it's kind of like a taster of what to expect from the front. And what I have noticed is the um, what I, I felt the the skill gap had been almost maybe a, a true reflection or exaggerated, whichever way you want to look at it, because the smaller teams at, at home that prey on the fact that it's close to the pitch and you've got uh, you know, tensions and you know, abuse to players and stuff, it, it, it can't affect them now. So players just relax a little bit and watching watching the City game the other night, it, it, it did get that impression. I think that our, our, our just higher ability was so much evident on the pitch as Arsenal just had no reply to it, really. Pep has argued, and, and I think Klopp actually, Jurgen Klopp has argued that, that uh, big teams and City were picked out actually by Klopp, uh, who are bigger squads, have a big advantage with his five substitutes being able to to come on. Um, do you think that the more skillful passing teams will also benefit then from no crowds being in the ground? So in other words, a club like City are massive beneficiaries from this absence of crowds. Um, I think I, I think it's you can benefit and you can lose from it at the same time. I think uh, away from home um, we might suffer without it and because I think we've got a quite a good away support, despite some people's opinions. Uh, however, at home, I think it, I don't think it will make any difference to us whether the crowd's there or not. Uh, the way we play, it's very much just a follow follow the rules kind of thing. They have a, they have a way of passing, and when that doesn't work, they repeat it. I don't I don't think they ever become pressured by us screaming. Otherwise, they they just who fits to someone's head for 25 minutes at the end. Well, do you, for example, think it could be City's advantage at Newcastle away? Um, you know that, that, that there are no Newcastle fans. There. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, that's what. I th- yeah, I, I think so because we've got we've 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 struggled there um, recently, and uh, I think you take away a little. Uh, so when the players go there, it might be in their minds, "Oh, we struggled here a few times," but you take away a piece of that in their in their mind that they struggled with, so they, they'll associate. The, the big stadium full of 50,000 fans, you take that out and it, do, it suddenly becomes less daunting. It's a different proposition. So I suppose that plays in our favour. 
you know, the, the, the next big story today, we might come back to the match a little bit later on, but the big story today is, uh, and I was privileged to be able to witness the, the press conference um, as, as a member of the press, of course I am. Um, I listened to the press conference via Zoom. People ask, are allowed to ask questions. I didn't ask one. But the big talking point that came from it, uh, from Pep, was that Leroy Sane, despite the offer that's been made to him, has said he doesn't want to sign uh, a new contract. Um, so that means basically that at the end of next season, his contract will run out. That means he can move on as a free agent wherever he wants. I don't get the feeling that's what's going to happen. In fact, my own uh, judgment, based on what I've heard and seen, is that had he not got injured in the Community Shield last year, when he played, I think Riyad Mahrez had come back late, so it ended up where Sane played. Um, if he hadn't got injured in that game, he'd have actually gone in August last year. If he'd have been fully fit again by January, I think he'd have gone in January. So the fact that he uh, now is, is stating he's not going to sign a new contract, to me is not really great uh, good news or, or news that we weren't expecting, I should say, because he was always going to be going. And, and to me, it just confirms that he'll go in the break between this season and next season. Do you two, um, you two lads, let's start with this time. D did you expect this? Is that, is that a shock to you? And what's your reaction to it? It was inevitable that he was going in. I completely agree with you. Um, when all the Del Spiegel stuff came out last year and we did a podcast when we were still at the Holiday Inn, we, um, we, we were speaking about Sane. He was on the agenda that night. And I remember us all talking about Bayern Munich tapping him up even then. And it's been 11 months, 12 months now. And it's been a saga that's gone on and on and on. And for me, I'm, I'm, I can't hide my annoyance at it really because, I, you know, I know he's our player, but we, we, we've got him fit now. You know what I mean? We've got him fit and, and not once as, uh, as, as himself or his agents. But now, obviously, because they have to do it in a certain way and the club have to approve certain things, but not once have we been given any indication from Sane or his agent. You know, we had the other extreme with Yaya where Salute never shut up. But with Leroy, we've heard absolutely nothing about this, this transfer or whether he wants to go to Munich or not. And we've been left in limbo as fans. Now, I know that it doesn't matter because he was injured, in a sense. But you kind of almost want to know what the score is because had we have known in January that he definitely wanted to go, maybe Pep could have signed his replacement in January and then bedded them in, ready for next season. And now we've got to maybe sign someone or promote someone from within the team, uh, Braff maybe, or move Zinchenko to the left wing spot and fiddle about now because Pep maybe did or didn't know. But us as fans now, we, did, we didn't know what the score was. But it's just annoying because we've got him fit. And it's almost as if now, yes, it was our responsibility to do that. But now he's going anyway. So thanks very much for getting me fit, guys. But I'm off to Munich and I'm just quite annoyed with it all, me. And I feel really angry about it. I'm not going to lie. When Pep spoke about it today, though, uh, and I like this about Pep, he, he's a manager that makes me particularly proud to have him as the gaffer of, of my club because I've always thought he's a very ethical person. He's the sort of person, I reckon, if he wasn't in football, I'd love to actually know as a person. I think he's, he's got everything a human being needs. So that sounds very sycophantic, but it's just honestly how I feel. And he said everything right today in the press conference. Uh, he said um, you know, he's a good lad. Uh, I respect his decision to go, um, you know, and I will continue to give him the best support I can until the moment he leaves the club. You're slightly more uh, upset about it, I think it's fair to say, Harlan, aren't you? 
Yeah, and and it's you know it's nothing against the lad as a player. He's a, he's a superb talent. I was buzzing when we signed him from Schalke. I'd seen him play at Schalke. He was brilliant. Obviously, you you potentially watched him at Schalke and being a being a Schalke fan as well. Somebody that I was absolutely over the moon to be signing and thought, wow, what a player. And there was a lot of City fans even and a lot of other fans. You know, I, I remember saying it on a vlog after the Burnley game in I think it was seventeen eighteen that. You know, a lot of fans and a lot of United mates of mine had said, oh, he's rubbish, he'll never do out over here. He's come from Germany, he'll struggle. And I said, no, he's going to be one of the best wingers in the league. And unfortunately, his, his development's been stunted now because of this injury. But I love him as a player. And and he, he seems like a decent kid, but I've just heard different rumours about him that he's he's maybe got a bit of a, an attitude problem and, and that maybe he's not as uh, on the ball as he needs to be at times. And that might come with the youthfulness, uh, the youthfulness of him, a bit like Balotelli had when he came. Um, but at the same time, uh, I think that he maybe could have been a bit more on the ball with this. And, you know, I understand they've got to be careful what they say and it's all in-house and it's got to be all protected and whatnot. But I don't know. I just think we, we've all been left in limbo as a fan base. And I don't, I don't think that's how it should be done anymore, me personally. I think you should be involved. And, and that you asked us a question last year as well. Are, are fans distance now from the club? The fans feel out of contact now with the club. And I think that this is a prime example that at Oldham, you'd know whether a player was moving or not, whereas at City, you can't, you're not allowed to know until it actually happens. It's the first time uh, since Carlos Tevez left that I've been absolutely gutted about a player leaving. I, I, I think the, uh, Leroy Sane is, is the kind of poster boy player for, for us and a player that we should be building our squad around. And the fact that he's leaving has is, is, is really like, bothered me, to be honest, because... With a player with his his ability and it um and and if he wants to leave our club it makes me makes me wonder why he wants to leave. I understand if he's going back to Germany etc. But when, as a I know I understand I'm biased, but as I look at look on City from an an outside view, I see no reason why anybody wouldn't want to be at City. Um, you know, massive training facility, playing in the best league in the world, European football. So it does make me think a little bit. It also makes me worry about this potential um, European ban, whether they have a, an idea that maybe he might not be playing European football next year. Um, but it's, it, I am, I, I feel a bit disheartened that he's leaving um, for a player that is that good. One thing that always stood out to me was the fact that Yaya Torre, a player that had only been at City a year with Sane, a player that's played with Thierry Henry, and all the people at City, etc., etc., and the fact that he put Leroy Sane in his all-time eleven really um, stood out to me. Um, so, when someone like that speaks so highly of you after only a year, you have to really appreciate the talent they have. How do you think he compares to Sterling? I mean, I'm going to read out one or two. Uh, tweets that have been sent to me today uh, from City fans and I, I asked this question earlier on on my Twitter account and I've had over you know hundreds really of, of replies for which I'm very grateful I'll read a few of them out I can't read them all out but there's been quite a few saying you know that and, and, I, and I will read a couple in a minute but you know, he's not as patch on, on Sterling Sterling's more consistent Sterling's the better bet um, but on his day uh, Sane could produce bits of magic so that's why a general way I think he's been summed up what do you think? Um, I, I, reckon, I, I reckon they're, they're about the same to be honest they, but they're different, they're different kind of players but I think they're as effective 
to us um, the same as each other really. Um, the the different kind of players. Sterling's more. Uh, he, he can he can play different roles in the system. We've seen him used as the the false nine in games, and then we've seen him as the the winger swapping either sides. Um, when Sane's, I I've never seen Sane not play left forward. Um, and I think he with Sane, he suffers when you play teams away from home a little bit sometimes. So you your Burnley's etc. They'll they'll sit on the six yard box. He hasn't got that that pace. He has got the pace, but he hasn't got the space to use his pace around the back. So I think that's when he has been limited. And when you do come across so many teams that play like that against us, then this is probably where this idea that you go with missings come from, which I think is a little bit harsh, personally. Go on, uh, I think uh, Harlan wants to jump in and then we'll hear from Louisa. Yeah, Ian, the different players, um, like Nathan said, um, if you were to compare them, and I, I'm, not, I'm not doing this <laughs> for any other reason, really, just to kind of link it back to the old city, if you were to look at the two players, you'd probably say that Leroy Sane is like a, a more elegant player, a bit more like a, a Petrov in the team that we used to have. And you've got Sterling, which is a bit more of a, an explosive uh, Sean Wright Phillips type player. Very different, um, do different jobs with their own bits of different you know, quality and whatnot. Sane a bit taller, a bit more elegant, a bit more twinkle to it, if, you wanna, if, if there's a word for it. Um, and Sterling a bit more of a, a red rag to a bull if you want to call it that, um, and a bit more of a poacher. But, yeah, to compare the two, it's difficult, really. It's, it's like the, uh, not the Messi-Ronaldo debate, not saying they're that good, but it, it, two different players that do two different things. And, and why, why have uh, two of the same player when you can have the best of both worlds? I'm going to get you all. I'll come to Louisa in a second, I promise. Um, but I'm just going to read a few of these tweets out because I promised I would do. And you can listen to them and you can tell me what you think. So, Michelle says, uh, why we didn't already know he was going anyway. We knew he didn't want to stay. Just sell him, get the best price and bye-bye. So very fatalistic. Vincent Manchester says, hi, and it just shows the grip that clubs uh, power, the likes of Bayern, United, Real, Barcelona and Juventus have over the corrupt UEFA. So he's obviously um, thinking that, that that's the reflection of what we're seeing here. Um, I mean, actually, uh, Carl has uh, said, is there something we don't know? Um, so is it because maybe he's homesick? Is, is there some other connection? There's been rumours that he don't get on with Pep, but I don't, certainly don't get that feeling. Um, Melis Ellis says, I'm not happy. I'm, I'm not sad, just good luck to the lad. But if we were sorry, then the way Boateng turned out to be one of the best half, centre-halves in the business. So Boateng, who was at City arguably playing in the wrong position, went on to be a fantastic success at Bayern. Are we going to see, maybe, to paraphrase uh, Melis Ellis, um, a better player now in, in Sane? Maybe a, a more, you know, more sort of consistent player, shall we say. Um, Tarek says, what can you do? He doesn't want to stay, that's it. Wishing the best, buy a replacement, carry on. I don't feel... He has been dis um, I don't feel he has been disrespectful towards the club or us fans, so that he's, he's actually defending Sane. Uh, we will miss him, and that's it. Um, Kiam says, Sane, no longer a footballer. He wants fame and celebrity. It was obvious when they said he was involved with the same agent as Beckham. Thanks for the memories. Enjoy the celebrity life. I much prefer focused players at my club. And Mike Cook says, bigger problem with him going is that Sterling is going to carry on being wasted on the left. Um, look how much sharper he looked when he moved to the centre and to the right. So there's a few different issues there. 
Uh, who wants to, well, let's let Louisa come in uh, first of all. Um, you, you've not said what you're thinking actually so far on the departure of uh, Leroy Sane. So comment on that, and then maybe some of the comments you've heard. Um, I think that I, I, for some reason, I've either misread something or misinterpreted something. So I already thought he was going anyway, and I just got it in my mind that he's leaving. Um, so then for this to come out today, I've just been like, oh right, well I. I already thought he was gone. So it's not like I've got any more emotions about that. I'd already resigned myself to the fact that he was going. And I'm surprised he's still been here, you know, throughout this uh, COVID and, and whatnot. Um, we have got no idea on his personal story, um, whether he is homesick. You know, we kind of know he has had some issues in the past, not that it's become greatly well known. Um, but And also if he wants the fame and, and that kind of lifestyle, then, you know, good luck to him. You know, it's that's not from bitterness. That's from just genuine good luck to the guy if that's what he wants. Or if he wants to be the, um, the you know, the, the big fish in the little bowl kind of thing, that's great as well. You know, we wondered where so, there were some players that have come into the team that, that wouldn't were not, not naturally fitting in initially because that's kind of what they thought they might turn out to be. Whereas City is very much a any of those sort of midfield and even our defenders from corners, but anybody can score. This, this is the kind of team we've got. We develop all the players and all the players can score a goal. So from that point of view, I will be sorry to see him go. You know, when I have been to the matches he's been playing, I've been lucky enough to be right in, into that bottom left corner when he's been playing around that area. Um, he's a fantastic player. The speed on him is unbelievable. Um, he just can't, you know, he's just not quite, I think he wants to be central and I think he wants to be in the box and that's not where he's being played. So I kind of feel like he could play better there, but he's fighting for a position there with Aguero, Jesus, you know, and, and all of them kind of players. Um, I, um, I I agree about Sterling. Um, I've even you know I've got it in, in in my notes. I like him on the right. He's more natural. It's just unreal how different Sterling plays on the other side of the pitch. You know, whenever they do switch him around, and um, it doesn't really matter that. Sterling has to stay where he is on the left just because Sane's gone. You know, I, I do think that that can be developed because I've said this before in other podcasts with you. You know, I felt that this season, um, and maybe even last season, we're, we're being read now. You know, teams are watching us and they know how we're going to play, and therefore we're we're being uh, we're, we're beatable again. And I would like to see some some big changes with the same players. So we're surprising teams again. And so we're winning matches convincingly and win, you know, winning the league again convincingly. So, um, you know, I mean, I think that it depends on what kind of person you are. But if you're, if you're in your line of work yourself and suddenly, you know, you get this amazing, unbelievable offer to move to the States and, and you know, work for, um, you know, one of the big, the big sports programmes there, the NBC, we know, whatever, then... You know, I think you'd think about it. And I then, wouldn't. I would not. I would absolutely not. I'm, but then I'm not a player, am I? And footballers, no. uh, you know, despite the fact that we, we love that, that they have an attachment to our club, at the end of the day, it is a job. And you're quite right yeah. to bring that point up. And, and, you know, you might argue that Phil Folden, you might argue that Taylor Howard Bellis, you know, that, that some of these players with local connection uh, might feel slightly differently. Um, but generally speaking, 
they will go where the better deal is. I mean, one of the subjects we haven't brought up, um, and, and, and I've seen it said, by the way, that Bayern Munich have offered a better deal financially uh, to Leroy Sane as well. So whether that's part of the, the arrangement, um, you know, but here's another, another factor, and this is an interesting one to throw into it, uh, by, by a, a tweet, St. John on tweet said, Jadon Sancho has expressed an interest to come back. Sorted, not happy as how Leroy, uh, how Leroy has had his head turned. So, different angle. You've said a different way of playing, maybe something unexpected. Jadon Sancho is arguably a player like that. Would you have Jadon Sancho back? I don't know. I, just, I think we've got good enough players, a big enough squad, especially when everyone's fully fit. It's very nice, isn't it? Um, and I feel that to surprise the opposition, what I've just said, um, maybe to develop and move the players we've currently got around the pitch. Um, you know, you don't want to upset the apple cart too much. Um, and certainly don't want to upset the players that we do have that still do get benched a fair amount because uh, depending on whatever decisions are made regarding our European place in the future, um, we definitely don't want to be losing some incredible star players and especially if they're sat on the bench because we're just bringing more and more players in to take their place when I think some of our players are irreplaceable. I really do. So I think we should concentrate on the team we've got. And, um, you know, give the, get an, if we have to move them around, get Sterling on that right-hand side. You can even see he's more natural. He doesn't have to twist and turn as much to try and get an angle to, to shoot the, the ball to the, to the goal. Alan's going to answer this one now from Twitter. Mancunial. I blame City for the whole situation. They've been far too soft with Bayern. The tapping situation. Der Spiegel, a Bayern's orator. And they have been creating all-out war against City from the leaks to the sanctions we've received. When will City fight back? Now, if that's where he's going to go, and, and actually, if you want to speak as well here, Nathan, you know, what, 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 there is a lot of anti-Bayern feeling. So if Leroy Sane does go to Bayern, as we're expecting, that's going to add even more fuel to the fire. And so many people on Twitter have said, tapping up, tapping up. Why has City not done something? Why has this not been exposed by UEFA? Ian, if, 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 if it was, if he, if it, say it was Robin five years ago and we went to sign Iron Robin from Bayern Munich and we acted as unethically, I believe, as Bayern Munich have acted in this situation, because of who we are and the fact that we're always in the firing line, we'd have been absolutely hung out to dry by every club in Europe. United, Liverpool, maybe Chelsea, they'd have all hung us out to dry. They'd have said, look at City now, breaking FFP rules, supposedly. Uh, tapping up players, we'd have been a perfect example to use. Not saying we are a perfect example, they'd have made us a perfect example to use. This situation, um, you know, I'm not sure I agree with that. I think the club have acted in an ethical way and they've just tried to kind of dampen down the rumours and everything and, and try to keep everything as hunky-dory as possible. But I do believe that, you know, something should have been done by the powers that be to deal with this situation of tapping up and prevent it from happening again because had Sane not have got injured at the start of the season and a deal hadn't have been agreed, that affects a player then after the transfer window and you don't get the best version of Leroy Sane then until January. So the fact that Bayern Munich got in his head at the time when all the FFP stuff and the Del Spiegel stuff came out, that was before he got injured as well. 
Um, it was a strategic plan from Bayern Munich, I believe, and uh, I don't think it was an accidental thing that happened at all. Mick Boardman, and this is one for Nathan now. Your turn, Nathan. Uh, Mick Boardman says um, he's been paid, this is Leroy, top whack since August the 19th without breaking sweat and it leaves a bitter taste. How do you feel about the fact that he's been around a year longer on probably top wages and now he's at MC's going? I, think, I don't think that's his own fault. I think if, if City wanted him gone, I think they could have probably got, got rid of him. Um, you can't. I think, I think a lot of it is a lot of bitterness from some people because I think they realise how much of a, a talent we are losing. I don't, I don't think you can ever complain about somebody wanting to earn more money in a 10-year career, if I'm honest, or, or go and play for a, the biggest club in the, their home country. I think it's a bit harsh. Um, and then the fact that he's been injured, he, he doesn't pick to be injured. I'm sure I, I, I'd put a lot of money on the fact that he'd, I think he'd rather be playing than sat on the sidelines. So I think it's a little bit of bad taste to have a go at someone for being injured and earning money. Would you therefore agree more with this one, uh, Nathan? Ewan Thompson says, disappointed, but no grudges from me. Not everyone will want to play for us. And going to Bayern is a huge, huge opportunity for him. I wish him well. Are you yeah. more on that side? Yeah, 100%. I like, I like I say, I want, I want him to stay. But if, if the players go in, it, like, I don't think you should stop him because it just, that just causes rifts. And I think, um, despite me, me thinking that there's not many out there better than him, there is always someone that can replace him and we, that we can mould into maybe a, potentially a better player or better suited for the team. So, yeah, if he wants to go, then... Fair, fair play to him and I wish him the best. See, Nige, uh, Nigel Littlewood, uh, Littleford, sorry, on Twitter has said, uh, he says, but you can't read mine out. Now, there are a couple of words here I'm not going to read out, but basically he says, massive joke how City have tolerated the tapping up from Beckenbauer's outfit. As for the player, huge potential, but such a sulky player. Uh, he can rot in the reserves for me, um, especially after we've looked after him for his rehab. So that's somebody who's really upset. He said, I wouldn't read it out. I haven't read it properly, but you get the gist of it, don't you? Go on, yeah, I'm, 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 really, um, I'm really kind of annoyed at the situation more than I am with Leroy. And, you know, I said before, and I'm not going to contradict myself here, I am annoyed at him maybe not being a bit more open, or the agent, for example. Um, but I'm not annoyed at him for, it'd be like Nathan said, I'm sure Louisa agrees, I'm sure you agree as well, that he's going on to Bayern Munich. He's going back to his homeland. He's going playing for the best club in Germany. I'm not annoyed at that. Had we have found out last August that he was leaving, I'd have wished him well for going to Bayern Munich. I think it's the whole management of the situation and the way that Munich have treated it and the fact that, like I said before, it was strategic. And it all happened, you know, at a really precarious time when Del Spiegel came out, FFP was being, you know, mooted again. And it just all seemed a bit, I don't know, wrong. And I think that, I'm more annoyed. It's hard, really, because you, you, you it confuses things. Because are you annoyed at Leroy? You're annoyed at the way it's been dealt with. It all merges into one. I wish the lad all the best, and I want him to be a success. And nothing would make me more happy than to see him become the best player in the world at Bayern Munich. I'd rather him become the best player in the world at City. But I still like the guy. I still like the player. I still love the guy. I still want him to be out, outstanding and unbelievable, and and turn you know flags over. But uh, I'm just gutted it won't be at City now. But I'm annoyed more at the situation than I'm at Leroy. And I don't think that leathering Leroy for leaving 
is the right thing to do. If anyone um, needs the finger pointing, it's Bayern Munich and uh, Rummenigger and, and, and Beckenbauer with the, the dealing with the, you know, the dealing with the situation. Greg on Twitter says, um, and I t- assume he's talking about Leroy Sane here. He's been silent about the whole idea, all or, the whole ordeal for a year now. It's time to address the fans. So, given what you've just said, Harlan, do you want to hear from Leroy Sane? Because we don't hear from players, especially on topics like this, at all really anymore, do we? I think it had softened the blow, Ian. You know, he doesn't have to go into the ins and outs of the negotiations, etc., etc. We're not wanting to know everything that's gone on in this process. <clears throat> I think it'd just be nice, you know, that we've not seen him for a year. If we were given the opportunity to, to say, you know, have a final message from him where he said, thanks for the time I've had, you know, um, we've had some good times and scored some poignant goals. One being that goal against Liverpool that won the game 2-1. Two, two, um, and, you know, thanks for accepting me at such a young age and, and, and helping me become the player that I am. Um, I'll always have you in my heart. Something along, something along them lines. I think it'd be nice, seeing as you know we've not been able to watch him for a year. I think it'd be a nice party message, and I think that'd soften the blow for a lot of fans. But if he just goes out the door with nothing, uh, the fans that are feeling bitter um, will will continue to feel that way. And then if, if if Bayern Munich ever come to the Etihad and Leroy Sane plays against us, those fans might be more inclined to to be a bit more um, bitter towards him live. If if well, when we return to the ground. I think, uh, I think there's still lots of lots of time there, isn't there? And, uh, from what I gather, he's still with us till the, uh, we finish our amount of games, however may, however may that be. So I, d- I doubt he's going to come out and and start throwing around you know, goodbye messages now. I'm sure he's focused on just the games. At the end of the day, he's still professional. He did come to us as what a 19-year-old, and he's and he's turned into probably, my opinion, the best best wing left winger, especially in, in the league. Um, and playing at a young age in the in the best city team ever. So for people to start saying, "Oh, God, he can go," like, he, like he's lazy, he's, I, just, it I just don't sit well with me. But I, I do I do think that he will have a, some sort of goodbye gesture because I, I don't. He does seem like a good kid. So I wish that just like an echo before. I just wish the best for him, and hopefully he can, I can see him back at the Etihad one day. Hopefully not. Hopefully we'll win, but he's a top player and I wish him the best. Before we move on from um, Sane, which we will do in a second, we'll come to his potential successor in a minute. But what about if City play Bayern Munich in the Champions League? <laughs> because that's still a possibility. If we get past Real Madrid, Bayern is seen by many as the favourites to win this tournament, along with City. It's not beyond the realms of possibility that City could play Bayern and would you play Sane in that game? I, I guess there's, there's no chance of him playing in, in a game against Bayern, is there? Um, I, I kind of think that um, it's at the end of the day, it's a job and it's a sport and it's a professional sport. And, um, you know, and as a player, uh, if he plays on that pitch for us, um, then, of course, he's just going to remain professional and give his all for the team while he's at the team, like anybody does um, for, for any job that you're in. Uh, you know, you just you don't just start slacking off just because you might be leaving in a month or a few months. And it might be, you know, because he's not been signed. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's not, that, I don't really know. That's in theory, isn't it? You know, that... it's, it's, yeah, it's a theory. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, you know, I relate to Formula One quite a lot. And it's the same as, you know, Ricardo moving over to McLaren or Sainz moving from McLaren to Ferrari you know when their season starts again in Austria do we expect Ricardo and Sainz not to give their all in the in the with the team that they're currently with 
you know, we're all going to sit. I mean, those fans that will be watching it will be expecting them to still give their all and still yeah, try and yeah, win a Yeah, but the, the problem is, and I, I get the point, it's a very good point. The point is that if, using your comparison, Sainz doesn't now perform for his team, immediately you go, that's ah, because he's moving. If, if uh, Sane was playing for City... Um, you know, he could have a, a bad day anyway, even if he was completely motivated. But the first thing everybody would leap on is, hang on a minute, he's leaving at the end of the season. Uh, I mean, it's happening with my other team, Schalke, in Germany, where their goalkeeper has already signed for, because they have a different situation over there, he's already signed for, for Bayern next season. He's dropped a couple of clangers in games, and immediately the fans are on his back saying he's going anyway. <laughs> so even if you didn't know for sure he was going to go to Bayern Munich, it's the it's the it's it's the obvious thing that every fan's going to say if he isn't absolutely at the top of his game. I kind of think that if he was, I think the position he's playing in, I, I don't I don't think that would be the same because if he was a defender or a keeper and then he, he did something really stupid or a mistake and let a goal in and we lost the game, fair enough. Um, you know, I mean, unless he's just strolling up and down the pitch while everybody's sort of running up, you know, like you're saying, bolt, that, that's obviously something very different. But I still think that the position that he plays in, he's not really going to be able to sort of throw a game or not really give his all. Um, and, you know, to be fair to him, um, he was pretty much match fit for the last yeah, the last game we were supposed to play anyway, wasn't he? He was pretty much ready to come back. And obviously this COVID has very much got in the way and it's got in the way of um, perhaps that move to, to uh, Bayern going quicker or, or something else happening. Um, so we can't sort of say, all oh, this stalling has um, had an effect because I think he was pretty much ready to come back. And the other thing I do want to point out to maybe people who are feeling a little bit bitter is that... Um, you know, regarding his recovery and that rehabilitation, you know, he's, he's under contract by the club and the club are under contract to him. And, you know, they, they have an obligation to him while he's still play, part of our team to, to get him match fit and, and to even help him and aid him in his recovery, regardless of where he's going. Um, and that also will help retain his value too. So obviously that the fitter and better we can make him, you know, come back. Uh, regardless of if he's moving on, he's still of greater value and, and that price for him, the price on his head will go up and it'll be an, an investment, you know, for, for us to gain more money back off him if he's leaving. I'm going to rattle through a few other questions now. Um, the, the, the last one on the Sane thing is from Andrew Peacock, who says uh, Braff has to be given a chance now to step in here, otherwise it sends out the wrong message to the academy. Don't make the same mistake as we did with Sancho, give him an opportunity. Now, uh, if you don't know who Braff is, he's a young Dutch lad who is a flying winger. I've watched him a few times at junior level. He does look a, a special player, looks physically strong as well, looks physically ready, actually, for the first team. But it's a big step for him to make. Um, has anybody got a strong view on whether Braff should be thrown in or whether City should look for a replacement? I'm sorry to jump in again since I've just spoke, but um, I'm still a massive Zinchenko fan and I still think that the way he's played, no matter what position he's been put in on that pitch, he is he, he should just naturally go into that position and move Sterling across, you know, and, and we've already got a player. We've already got an incredible player that, that can be in that position on that pitch and linking with Mendy, you know, is going to be amazing, I think. 
Um, one thing I was going to say before when we touched on the Arsenal game is it all has a very much of a, a pre-season feel to to me at the minute, the whole like, empty grounds and the, the gap between us. So, And especially with the league being over, as much as I don't want it to be, I think now is the perfect time to throw in your youngsters, give them a shot or, or like you say, try out Zinchenko because there's nothing to lose. I, I focus on the Champions League and... And then mess around in the, in the in the domestic games, see what you can achieve. Yeah, I put a tweet out earlier in saying that I I I play Zinchenko there now. You know, he was a number ten when we signed him from UFA, and we converted him um, because of the loss of Mendy, and he did a superb job. A lot of fans criticise him for his defensive capabilities, um, but on the ball and going forward. And when he's got the ball at his feet in a defensive position, his, his pass selection is absolutely unbelievable. Now, if you convert that in a defensive position into a, a final third position, he's, he's got some of the best um, passing um, statistics and one of the best um, you know, passing attribution um, values to me in our squad. Um, and he's such a talented young football player. And you know, when I, when I was writing the tweet, I actually thought Louisa and I thought, yeah, she'll... If she sees this, she'll like this. Um, Zinchenko's a top-notch player. And, you know, Jaden Braff, not seen too much of him, but I agree with, with the person who tweeted that, Ian. I'm, so, I'm sorry, I forgot his name, but um, it does send out the wrong message, in my opinion. If you don't at least put Jaden Braff on the bench, um, you know, to replace uh, Zinchenko in a game, if you do decide to play Zinchenko on the left-hand side in that, in that, in that three, um, because, you know, it's a perfect opportunity now to promote someone young and fresh. And Braff's not too far behind what Sane was when we signed him. Granted, he's not as experienced as Sane was because he'd already played at Schalke in the Bundesliga when we signed him. But I think, you know, Braff will be looking at this now and going, if I got a chance to speak to Pep, I'd be asking if he would be considering me. And I think that if you don't even think about considering him for that spot, it does send out the wrong message. And I think that the, the whole criticism of the academy will start to rear its ugly head again. Couple, that was Andrew Peacock, by the way. So that, he was the person who asked Andrew. that question. A um, couple of quick questions then. Uh, this hasn't been confirmed yet, but it's suggested that maybe the top seven or eight in the new season, I know we're a long way from that yet, might not be in the League Cup next year. City, of course, um, hold the trophy and have done for quite a while now. Uh, Pep was asked about that in the press conference today uh, you know, and basically said that um, he'd, he'd love to be in, in that competition uh, as a fairly obvious answer. How do you feel? Is it if I know we're in unprecedented times with all, with this virus and everything, but uh, as holders, does it bother you more as City fans that City might not defend it, or is that just one of those things if it has to be? Go on, Nathan. I, I yeah, I've, I've spoken on on the League Cup before in um, on the podcast, and I I really like it as a competition because it gives you a chance to play different teams you've not played before and travel to different grounds and stuff. So as a fan, I quite enjoy it. And um, I think with the fact that the final is so early in February, it gives you that um, that taste of winning silverware. You don't, there isn't much, there's no clog with it. You, it only really clashes with um, Champions League games. So you don't have to really worry about what, too, too much of fi- fixture congestion. So I quite like it. So you, if you do win it, then your players have that taste for winning early on. So but of course, the other, si- the other side of the argument is that... Um, uh, if City don't normally play anyway in the first two rounds, they're coming in the third round of that competition. There's the Champions League as well. We're assuming that City will be in it next year. We're yet to find out the results of that appeal. Uh, but obviously, let's assume for now that they are going to be in it. 
that by eliminating the League Cup, the season may well not start until after the international break in September. Um, how do you find those gaps? Is, is the League Cup not the automatic, obvious thing to sacrifice? Uh, I suppose so in that case, because you can't, you can't have everything, can you? Um, I, it's, it's tough to say. I, I haven't like, sat down and looked at a calendar with all the potentials. So, but if you did, if you did have to take, take one out, it would be the League Cup, let's be honest. Yeah, as much as I like it. Yeah, on, realistically, Ian, yeah. Realistically, Ian, yeah, you know, it would be the one you'd sacrifice. Um, not saying I'd be happy if it was, but it's, you know, you're not going to sacrifice the FA Cup, are you? Um, why, you know, why, why, why would you? I mean, you've got to sacrifice one of them. And like you and Nathan have said, I'm sure Luigi agrees as well, that you'd sacrifice the Carabao Cup, um, or as, the, as I call it, the Carabao Pep. Um, but yeah, I, I absolutely adore it. And, and it's a competition that I think has, a bit like the FA Cup, lost its magic. Uh, not for everybody, but I think we as as fans are pretty responsible for 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 the fact that it's lost its magic. Because as as a fan base and as a, as a worldwide uh, uh, an English wide fan base, we don't treat it with the with with, with the content it deserves. And um, you know we're responsible for the way the FA Cup's kind of fallen down the pecking order as well in terms of importance um, in in competition. And yeah, it'd be sad to lose the Carabao Cup, but you know would it, it'd only be lost for a season until we maybe got back. Back to uh, back, back to normal again, if you want to call it that. Um, you know, if it was to be scrapped altogether forevermore, and no, um, you know, you know, it'd just be up, up to teams to um, to for me uh, get more strength in depth, and then you know have to spread the squads a lot more thinly over the games. But um, yeah, it's a competition that I wouldn't want to lose. I remember watching the I think it was two thousand and one or two uh, Worthington Cup final between United and Liverpool, and it was huge back then. And it's so sad now to see how disrespected it is, in my opinion. Um, and, you know, like, like Nathan said, it's a perfect opportunity to win some silverware. And I almost see it, Louisa will like this one, as the, uh, the final straight before the chequered flag. Um, and you win, the, you win the, the trophy and then it kind of gets you going for the final hurdles, really. And, yeah, it's the perfect chance to win silverware and get your gate up to, to lift the title. And if we lift the Carabao Cup next year, we might win the title again. Two quick questions to finish then with. Uh, Champions League, another topic that's around at the moment. Looks like the, well, I think we can say that the, the tournament from the quarterfinals onwards is going to be played over one leg um, and in Portugal um, and actually in Lisbon right through to a final. Although we still don't know the second leg venue. Um, obviously, City fans, even if they can't go to the game, presumably we'd all prefer it to be at the Etihad. My son even said to me today, if it's moved to Portugal, that second leg, how does the away goals rule stand? And I said, well, presumably Real Madrid would still be considered the away team. And he said, yeah, but even we would be the away team in Portugal. So how does that work? So what, what do you feel about the, the way that things are being discussed as far as the Champions League concerned, i.e. all in Portugal and maybe the second leg of the Real Madrid game as well? Anybody got an opinion on that? I'm furious if it's played in if that second Madrid game is isn't played at the Etihad. It's um, you you can't. I see no reason why it can't be played at the Etihad. They've already they've already given exempt quarantine exemption to professional athletes, and we've we've shown that social distancing is possible with the uh, with the Arsenal game. So I I don't see a, a reason why uh, that Real Madrid game can't be played. Uh, we've done our bit over there. They can come over here. It's just small things like 
players positioning on the pitch. They they work around them in their surroundings. So if you take them out into a, a dressing dressing room they've not seen before, uh, and are in a ground they've not not seen before either, and uh, hotels, flights, etc. I don't I don't think it's it's fair on a team that's already gone and gone and done the business away from home. Pep said yeah, today, fine. simply, you know, we'll do whatever UEFA say. That was his answer. Like playing the City Burnley game in Turkey, Louis. Do you know what I mean? Like, you just won't do it. Um, I agree with Nathan, though. You know, you can't you can't start moving the goalposts now. Um, pardon the pun. With regards to that, you know, we had to go to Madrid and win in front of fans. They should have to come to the Etihad. And you know what? We It's to get your own back kind of thing for that 0-0 draw years ago to, to, welcome, to welcome them to the Etihad and finally get over the line against Madrid. And, you know, I know we wouldn't be there to watch it now. But it'd be nice to see us beat Madrid at the Etihad on TV. It'd be quite a pretty poignant moment for me to, to beat the mighty Real Madrid at the Etihad. Yeah, I mean, I kind of think that, um, yeah, we need the home advantage, even if it's an empty stadium behind closed doors, because it is still a home advantage. If we hadn't have played that first leg over there, then I'd have probably been more open to the idea of continuing, you know, somewhere else, because then it's even Stevens, isn't it? But it isn't even Stevens, empty stadium or not. It's still a home advantage for us, and it could still be the difference of us winning or losing that game. And I absolutely would not be in support of a second leg going somewhere neutral uh, not a chance no as I said at the beginning of the podcast uh, we're going to do this again next Friday um, so what I, before I ask you the last question and, and it leads into me saying this if anybody wants us to talk about a particular subject on the podcast then my direct messages on Twitter at Ian Cheeseman are always open so if you want to send any suggestions of topics or directions that you'd like us to talk in then I'll definitely consider that. And one of the subjects that was mentioned to me today, um, and maybe if people want us to talk about this more, we will do in the future, is the refund system that City are doing. Um, people have had uh, emails. I, I, obviously, normally I'm sat in the press box at home games. Uh, not at the moment. I'm not allowed to do that. But normally I would be in the press box. So I don't have a season ticket. So I'm not. So I'm asking this as an innocent question. Have the three of you, if you've got season tickets, been refunded? Oh, have, you no, been re- have, you been, <laughs> have you been refunded for the Real Madrid game as a cup tie? Um, has there been a delay? Some people have said they've been uh, given back one match at a time and, and some people have complained about that. Other people have said, no, I don't mind. They're giving us the money back. Other clubs are just giving us uh, credit vouchers. So j- just give us an honest appraisal from your three perspectives. Go on, Nathan, you start off. Um, yeah, so on, uh, so from a season ticket holder perspective, because I'm on the direct debit scheme, uh, I'd already I'd already done all my payments, so I'd already paid for the games that I hadn't attended. So I got an email from City maybe a month or so ago, saying um, we are going to refund you the cost price of those games. So uh, whatever my season ticket price is divided by 19, um, and then they then they said um, we'll send you a an email by the 19th of July, so today, um, saying, uh, like, we'll issue you a refund, but because the direct debit direct scheme is done by uh, an out, a third party, it's got to go through them. So I, I, so I, I, I don't know, to be honest, when it's going to come, but I get I just get a lump sum, so mine's 137 quid, which is it's nice because it's 137 quid I wasn't expecting. But um, so I think it's fair play to City for refunding it. Um, I kind of think they had to, to be honest. And I chose not to um, 
not because I got the option to put it towards next seasons. I chose not to. I don't know when it's going to be, and the money's better off in my bank account than it is cities. So that was why I took that option. But um, I know Newcastle fans have even paid for next season, so it's much better than much better than their position. What's your situation, Harlan? Yeah, myself and Jess, obviously, um, waiting for our refunds. Um, I think we're expecting around 150 quid, something like that, um, between us both. Uh, not got it yet, but like Nathan said, we're expecting it soon. And obviously, we're waiting on government advice to see when we can return to the ground because we're, we're, we're deciding whether we want the money back or whether we'd like to put it towards next year's season card um, just to kind of already put something down for next year's season card to keep our spirits up. Not too sure, really, but, yeah, we're, we're expecting a refund. And we also got the email, Nathan got both of us separate emails, obviously. And, uh, yeah, I think, you know, at first everybody was a bit worried about, you know, the way the club were going to deal with it. But they've been pretty transparent now. And I think everybody almost knows where they stand with it all, yeah. Louisa? Um, yeah, I mean, my, the season ticket I'd go to matches on wasn't actually in my name. So, you know, I've not had any communications. But what I have seen online is I don't think there's an issue at all um, that people are either going to get a refund or they're not going to be able to put it towards next year. And I think for some people that might be actually really helpful, you know, especially once everyone does start going on maybe a holiday or a trip and then, you know, that money was gone anyway and then throw it towards next year. You know, it could help people out, which is a good idea. Um, but I think there's probably been a bit of an issue in communications and maybe not everybody getting emails or, you know, getting the right uh, person or so. But, you know, the supporters are services are still doing everything they can you see them online you see them on twitter trying to be really helpful so i don't think that they're leaving people behind and certainly not on purpose um you know i think that they're just doing the best they can out of a bad situation and it's just going to take a bit of patience off people you know hopefully it'll come through for you guys if you want it back in your bank um but i think it's great that you can put it towards next year anyway because that'll be you know 100 and odd pound you'll be you, you know that'll benefit you wouldn't it yeah, so like I say, like like you said with the sports services before the uh, refund schemes even um, announced, I rang up and asked for the uh, Real Madrid money back. He went watch the supporters services number, etc. etc. And it was back in my account that day. So I can't really fault City. They're just doing what they've got to do. People are moaning that it's it's three months or ever since the last game, but they've only had a month knowing that they're behind closed doors or they're even playing again. So I can't really I can't really argue. Ian, before we go, can we all can we all celebrate together? Because United has gone one 0 down. <laughs> you can tell when we're recording this now, can't you? On the Friday evening, I've got to be honest with you. Watching games behind closed doors is not my favourite thing, as you know. And uh, watching other teams behind closed doors is absolutely not going to be what I do. Uh, but but watching United there. lose is always good, isn't it, Ian? <laughs> Listen, uh, thanks very much to the three of you, Nathan, Harlan and Louisa, for the podcast tonight. Thanks very much to charleslouis.co.uk, Chartered Mortgage Advisors. Uh, and now more than ever, if you're thinking of moving properties uh, and you need to borrow some money, contact them, charleslouis.co.uk. Have a look at the website, phone numbers on there, uh, and give them support uh, as they've supported uh, me. Uh, next up, of course, it's Burnley on Monday evening. Uh, then there's a trip to Chelsea and we'll do another podcast next Friday. Um, so thanks very much for, for listening, for downloading, for staying loyal, as we all do. And uh, despite the fact that we're all on Zoom and we're behind closed doors and all that sort of stuff, you know what? It's still great being a blue. <laughs>